Well, hi, everyone. This is Daniel Williams, Senior Editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. We have a special guest today, and that is uh, Dr. Padma Galur, who is our 2023 Harwick Innovation Award winner at MGMA, and will be presented with that award at our upcoming Leaders Conference in Nashville. Uh, Dr. Galur, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Daniel. It is a real pleasure and honor to be here. Yeah. Now, I was going over your uh, lengthy resume, very impressive resume. You are currently professor of anesthesiology and professor in population health sciences at Duke University School of Medicine. Talk about your role there. Well, um, and thank you, Daniel, for that um, for that question. I do have a, a pretty full academic, um, you know, life with research, uh, more in the um, you know the scientific aspects, but also in uh, operational efficiencies in the form of, for instance, the anesthesiology resource management system that we've created here. Thank you for that, and we're going to talk a lot about that in just a moment because I want to. I have a lot of questions uh, for you about that program that you helped develop. But before we get there, as I mentioned, you're at Duke right now. But tell us about your healthcare journey. What led you to where you are now at Duke? Well, um, without giving away the age aspect of this whole thing, it has been a long <laughs> journey. <laughs> um, um, you know, it started uh, for me, uh, a lot of my training and um, subsequent work for, um, you know, over a decade was in the Boston area. And uh, so my uh, clinical interests, of course, are in anesthesiology and pain management. That's where uh, all of this started. Uh, I moved from uh, Mass General to the University of California, Irvine, uh, building on that work and moving more into system level solutions, you know, for healthcare delivery. Uh, somewhere around there, and was recruited to Duke in 2016 uh, to um, come and uh, work and collaborate with the excellent minds here to come up with solutions for our future in this ever-changing healthcare landscape. Okay. I didn't realize the UC Irvine connection. I uh, worked at a building that was basically next door to the campus about 20 years, well, almost 25 years ago now, from about 2000 to 2003, and uh, <laughs> guilty pleasure at the time, uh, I would drive on to basically the campus where the In-N-Out Burger place oh, was, yes. and have oh, my yes. lunch there. <laughs> I mean, what a beautiful area, what a beautiful, beautiful place. I mean, it is one of, uh, you know, a must, must do uh, on anyone's bucket list to be in that area. We, both you and I seem to have been privileged to at least live there for a few years. Right. And while, you know, you can speak endlessly of just the general beauty there, the weather, the fact that anywhere you turn, there's beaches and sunsets, but you're absolutely right. The hidden secret there is that in and out burger, <laughs> an absolute cult favorite. <laughs> it is. It, it really is a cult favorite for sure. So <laughs> thank you uh, for sharing that with us as well. So as I mentioned earlier, you are, and congratulations again, the recipient of the Harwick Innovation Award. And that is one of our highest honors that uh, we give out at MGMA. And we're basically astonished when we get the nominations in and the amazing work that's taking place at practices and around the country uh, in healthcare. Again, I'll just 
say it for people who are going to be in Nashville at our leaders conference in a few weeks, that you're going to be receiving that award at the uh, conference in Nashville. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit more. You were picked by our selection committee for something. I want to get this right due to creating the anesthesia resource management system or arms uh, your nomination was lengthy. There was a lot of great information in there, but I'll just quote one piece. It says that ARMS has revolutionized the way Duke Health manages anesthesia resources, leading to some remarkable operational efficiencies and, this is always important in healthcare, substantial cost savings. So tell us about this system. What was the origin to it in the first place and and tell us a little bit more about it. Well, thank you, Daniel, for those kind words. I mean, it's an incredible honor to be recognized for this. And I think it underscores the importance of innovation in healthcare, uh, you know, especially in optimizing resource allocations and reducing like systemic inefficiencies, uh, which in turn, honestly, allow us to focus where our focus should be, which is on improving uh, patient care and provider well-being, you know, which is the other unsaid many times. That's an equally important part of healthcare delivery. And so to answer the question, you know, how did this start? Uh, all of us in healthcare are, you know, facing, um, you know, multiple challenges, uh, ever-increasing costs, reducing, uh, you know, uh, revenue, uh, all in the setting of not being a business while being a business because we're in the business of healthcare, which is taking care of each other. And when we're in the, you know, in the in that process, um, it brings its own unique um, challenges. A lot of satisfaction. Don't get me wrong there. That's why we're all in this space, right? Yeah. But uh, does have its own challenges when you're looking after people. And then the pandemic that kind of threw us for a loop and really highlighted those holes, um, you know, that needed to be addressed. And so the for us, we were fortunate. We had already been prior to the pandemic working on this. And um, its true value is magnified because we actually implemented this through the pandemic when we were faced with a lot of the challenges uh, that, you know, just across the country, everyone did. And those were, you know, essentially, how do you provide the care, continue to provide this care while looking out for provider safety and well-being? Because people were getting uh, honestly stressed, stretched and burnt out, you know, uh, our providers as well. And so we really, really had to come up with a solution that continued to make this, you know, make their ability to provide meaningful work, um, you know, uh, possible. And in order to do that, we had to come up with a way where we were, at, you know, utilizing our resources. There was immense staff shortages, as I'm sure everyone's experienced who's tried to go into a health system, even up until now, you will, uh, you know, recognize that it was not easy because we're not always fully staffed. So it became even more important is figure out like where is the need? How do we drive our resources to those needs uh, so that we can continue not just critical operations, but you know, honestly, uh, continue to provide access to our community so they can get the healthcare that they need, right? And so we're not pushing people into not getting preventative care, not getting um, you know, um maintenance care, and then they end up in critical care situations. So how do we continue to do that? And anesthesiology resource uh, management system, while focused at anesthesiology, I do want to stress, is nonetheless based on some sound principles that allow it to be um, you know, applicable across. And so what it does is we identified 
that our traditional methods of um, of addressing staffing, our operating rooms, uh, et cetera, did not factor a few things cohesively. For instance, one thing, our growth outside of the operating rooms and our need, the need for anesthesia services outside the operating rooms has just grown exponentially. The community wants care where they are. And so you're gonna see this sprouting of ambulatory surgery centers across you know, uh, the geography, procedure suites within you know, doctor's offices, et cetera. And if we can provide the anesthesia service, uh, services across this platform, it allows patients to get care uh, appropriately closer to where they are in a cost-effective way, very honestly, so they don't have to take on the expense of, uh, you know, that comes with coming into larger institutions. So, um, but that created its challenges with, you know, um, we were losing economies of scale. We right. were, you know, uh, there was uh, this hub and spoke um, model developing uh, and we ended up moving to what we will call staffing to capacity. So when you try to staff to capacity, you need a lot of people who may or may not um, have, you know, um, uh, work at their local site to do, but then there are other sites that are short staffed, for example, just to give you that. So what, what this system does, it allows us to take a look at the entire picture uh, at one go, and which allows then for adequate, you know, appropriate staffing across these platforms. So we're not having a feast or famine situation uh, because the uh, the work itself is variable. You know, who who gets sick and who comes in is not always the most predictable thing. Okay, that is just remarkable what y'all have been able to put together there. So I did want to follow up. Duke is in a unique situation. Um, so. <laughs> Can this be replicated in the practices across the country uh, that aren't Duke, so to speak? We have a lot of independent practices. We have other types of specialties, other types of health systems and uh, independent practices, uh, other types of ownership models. So can it be replicated? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, um, Duke is an ivory tower, and yeah. you're absolutely right that many times the solutions for Duke are not necessarily something that a smaller um, unit can can you know scale in. But this is actually able to. This is actually a model that can both scale up and down. Now, also, you know, while the there is this perception that Duke is one large entity uh, and this you know this huge system, we're actually made up of a lot of different hospitals, a lot of different community sites, and ambulatory surgery centers, procedure suites within the community. So the beauty of this system is that it's been tried and tested in all those settings and it is modular. So you can actually create this in your own environment um, and it, you know following some basic uh, principles and guide you know uh, guiding models, this can really be implemented in just about any site and provide value. Okay, the follow-up to that then is is it specific to anesthesiology or can it be carried over to other specialties as well? Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, right now, I would say that, you know, we ourselves are growing it within the same perioperative platform to where it's, it's you know, we're starting to incorporate nursing, tech, you know, our techs, um, um, our um, floor, you know, connection to the, uh, the uh, inpatient beds, etc. We're developing all of those systems. So truly, it is scalable and applicable uh, to more than just anesthesiology. Okay. Let's get into the practical aspect of this then. What are the steps uh, a decision maker at a practice would need to take to bring this over to uh, their practice? 
I mean, the most important thing to recognize is where, you know, every environment is unique. And so the first phase is, of course, discovery. We need to understand what, and the leader should understand, what are, is their current state? What are their current, you know, gaps? And once that analysis has been done, uh, honestly, applying these principles to help address those gaps uh, would be the next step. And so you can uh, leverage the experience that's already, you know, the model and the experience that's already been done here at Duke and apply it to your own environment. So really the first part will be discovery. They can do that on their own. They can do it uh, with us. You know, everybody, it's a healthcare is a community. We're here to help each other. So absolutely. Okay. The other important question is what's the time frame we're looking at in implementing this system? Is there additional training? Do you need to hire new staff to be able to handle this? Um, no, actually, you know, what, what is really needed is really the, uh, there is an upfront investment in the build. You know, you've got to build the system in, in there. Many institutions have their own IT infrastructure that can incorporate this, uh, or they can outsource it to, you know, in fact, we outsourced a portion of our own predictive algorithm to, to develop this. So yeah, there will be an investment upfront, not so much in manpower. In fact, you may not need uh, I do not think we we have, did not have to hire anyone. We were actually able to use a lot of our folks in other sites and you know cover shortages for for that matter. So um, uh, as far as training, there it's it's a it's not a steep learning curve at all uh, mm-hmm. because the graphic user interface, which is what the uh, folks on the ground will have to deal with, is very very intuitive. Okay. Um... You mentioned something that caught my attention. You said even Duke uh, outsourced some of this. So what was the decision making there? What, what, where did you make come to that conclusion where, hey, we could do this in-house, but we might have to hire additional staff. So what led to outsourcing parts of that? So as far as the development's concerned, you know, AI, con, you know, developing uh, AI models, et cetera, bringing in someone with expertise uh, in that space, obviously, um, uh, you know, helps you develop it faster. And so for that aspect, for instance, rather than uh, reinvent the wheel, we um, we chose to go with folks who had um, a lot of experience in the space and, and could help us accelerate the development. Okay. Final couple of questions here then. So at MGMA, we've made it our mission uh, to transform healthcare. It's very strong in in our mission, vision, and values here at MGMA. And this is part of the Harwick Innovation Award here. So how does this program aid in that mission? Um, You know, ARMS directly contributes to MGA's mission in terms of both, you know, transforming healthcare and innovation, you know, it, it's enhancing operational efficiencies, it's reducing costs, of course, as you mentioned, but most importantly, it's also alleviating uh, provider burnout by creating a more transparent and equitable system, uh, you know, that predictable and manageable work environment, um, which, you know, uh, just leads to so much more uh, in terms of, um, you know, value uh, in terms of both recruitment and retention uh, of our workforce. So I do think that it is truly, uh, you know, truly making a difference there. Uh, by managing our resources optimally, we also, uh, you know, prevent healthcare costs from rising, which is obviously a huge problem. Um, and the um, institutions can then invest uh, dollars where they're really needed, um, as opposed to um, on, you know, potentially areas where we're not getting as much return. Okay. Final thought then. Uh... Anything that I didn't ask about ARMS that uh, you might want to share with us before we sign off? 
I mean, the only thing I would say is that, you know, while ARMS can be viewed as a data-driven, you know, solution uh, to, you know, um, um, resource management, it's really more than that. I mean, it's our approach. Yeah, there's a cultural change uh, and, a, you know, to where we're being more transparent, accountable, um, you know, uh, in, in this era and uh, focusing on provider well-being and, you know, and burnout just as much as we are on operational efficiencies and, um you know, cost uh, effectiveness, right? And so I do think that there's more to this than a singular focus on um, on uh, just efficiencies and cost. Okay. Well, Dr. Padma Galur, uh, 2023 MGMA Harwick Innovation Award winner. Thanks for joining us today on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Dr. Galur for joining us, and thanks for being a listener of the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.